Welcome to Faith Baptist Church, Great Village, where we believe in the truth of the gospel, building of community, and engaging in the mission of Christ. We hope you enjoy this week's message as our pastors share from God's Word. You know, uh, one of the greatest challenges uh, for us at times like this, and I'm speaking of Christmas season, is uh, familiarity. Um, How many times have you heard the Christmas story? Same is true at Easter time when we're talking about the death and resurrection of Jesus. You know, how many times we hear, and uh, I want to say that you probably won't hear something this morning that you haven't heard before. In fact, uh, if you do, you might want to question it. Um, but that doesn't mean we can't learn something uh, because one of the issues that we face with familiar, the familiar is that we stop listening because we think we already know it all. We've heard it all before. And that can be detrimental to us. And so there's a danger with the familiar. And the danger is that we stop really uh, listening. And I appreciate um, Josh's prayer that God would give us uh, the ability to listen, the ears to hear this morning. Josh spoke last week a little bit about the setting of the four angelic visits, the uh, um, period that would become known as the 400 silent years between the last Old Testament uh, prophet uh, record, prophetic record, and uh, the days of the New Testament narrative. And... Uh, No prophets, no uh, revelation from God, no messengers from God. The heavens were silent. The days uh, were dark, and yet there there was hope. They were days, dark days, but days filled with hope nonetheless because of the the promises. And last week it was mentioned uh, a bit as well about the distinction between hopefulness and wishful thinking and how scripture uses the term hope and what it, what it means, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament letters. Uh, I have a, an author of a work that I've referenced different times and I love to read. It's, it's called The Life and Times of Jesus the Messiah, uh, written by Alfred uh, Edersheim. And uh, on uh, the subject of the... Um, the passages that we're looking at in these days, uh, this is something that Alfred Edersheim wrote. He said, uh, speaking of those, those days, he said, such then was the hope, the promise made of God unto the fathers, for which the 12 tribes instantly serving God night and day longed with such vividness that they read it into almost every event and promise with such earnestness that it ever was the burden of their prayers, with such intensity that many and long centuries of disappointment have not clinched it. Its light, comparatively dim in the days of sunshine and calm, seemed to burn brightest in the dark and lonely nights of suffering, as if each gust that swept over Israel only kindled it into fresh flame. the hope and the prom- of, of the promises. And then we have this, Luke chapter one. Last week we were thinking about the angelic visit of Gabriel, Gabriel to, um, 
to uh, Zechariah. Today we are going to be looking at verses uh, 26 through 55. In the sixth month. Are you all there? You got it? Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month. Sixth month of what? Sixth month of the year, maybe? What is the sixth month of the year? June. I like that. People and people are quick. I would have to start counting on my fingers. I don't think that's what it means here, though. Sixth month of what? Six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Um, is that important? It's important to Gabriel because he was the one that took the message to Zechariah that, that he and Elizabeth were going to have a, a child. And he's also the one who's bringing this message to, uh, today in the passage today. So it's in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel uh, was sent from God. Again, we considered some angel, angelology last week, uh, but, but angels were principally messengers for God. They brought news, and such was the case in this passage here today. I'm a bit of a news hound, I guess. I, I normally watch the news almost every day, usually multiple times uh, throughout the day. I usually try to catch some and, and sort of stay in touch with what's happening in the world. And uh, do you know that the vast uh, uh, majority of news reports in our day uh, is about bad news? Have you noticed that? In fact, it's hard to watch the news without concluding that the world is a very dark and difficult place filled with messed up people, a fallen world full of fallen angels and, uh, and getting worse every day. And I've noticed something else about the news too, and that is, is that we, we don't tend to watch it so much as we tend to consume it. We, we uh, consume the news. We use the news. Um, we use it like, like gossip. We use it to fuel our our determination to confirm our own self-righteousness. Have you noticed that? All those bad people out there doing all those terrible things. Wish they could be more like us because we're definitely not like them. We're reticent to accept uh, an honest report from the Spirit of God and what's really going on in our own hearts and our own lives most of the time, our own shortcomings, our own sinfulness, our own messed upness, but somehow we're quite eager to see it all exposed in the, in the graphic details in the lives of others. And the comparison game is very uh, helpful for us in our project of self-righteousness. Um, we need God's help with us. We really do. Anyways, this news was different. This news was... Uh, sent from heaven. It says that Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, 
Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Uh, last week, Josh was also musing about uh, why, why is it that angels are famous for saying, don't be afraid? Was it because they are uh, just re- reveal themselves as fearsome creatures? Uh, we know that they didn't reveal themselves like the cute chubby little cherubs we use to decorate our, our trees and houses. We know that. Or was it the whole element of surprise? I'm thinking that probably has something to do with it. Um, I know that uh, when, when we're startled, it's not, a, it's not a fun thing at all. Florence would love it if I wore a bell around the house. I know that. <laughs> because she's constantly jumping out of her skin whenever I walk around a corner or whatever. And Yeah. Um, and all this could be part of it, but I, I think that um, we need to remember that principally angels are messengers, right? So they deliver news from God. And a lot of the time the news wasn't good. Uh, so angels sometimes uh, had a, a reputa- reputation for being associated with uh, with judgment. So it's likely that when an angel shows up, the first thought you're going to have is, oh boy, this can't be good. Or at least I hope it's not bad, but there's need for reassurance, right? We have a whole testament uh, to uh, account, uh, account of this, starting all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, if you will recall, uh, after the the, 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 what we call the fall of man, the incident in the garden, the Garden of Eden, it says, therefore the Lord God sent him, him being uh, man, uh, out of the garden, and that would be Adam and Eve together as mankind, sent them out of the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man at the east of the, end of the Garden of Eden. He placed the cherubim, which is another word for angel, Right? and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way of the tree of life. Uh, Remember the angels showed up before the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. The angel of death uh, is cited as responsible for the death of the firstborn in Egypt, the night of the Passover. But the angels were also associated with salvation as well. If you read through the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord found Hagar, uh, Sarah's mistress, by a spring of water in the wilderness when she fled from from, uh, Sarah. Uh, You might recall that in Genesis chapter 16. And when Ishmael, her son, uh, was driven out, it was the angel that called to Hagar and said to her, uh, what troubles you, Hagar? Do not be afraid, for God has heard the voice of, of the boy where he is. And again, that there, don't be afraid. Um, it seems like every place the angels show up, they've got to make that, that, that statement. I mentioned the judgment of, of Sodom and, and Gomorrah, but uh, Scripture says that when Lot lingered, it was the angels who took, took uh, him and his wife and daughters by the hand and pulled them out uh, of the city just in time. 
angels were involved in the judgment of Israel when David sinned. But when Elijah was laying, uh, lay dying in the wilderness, it was an angel, an angel who brought him uh, food to eat and, uh, and drink. And on and on it goes. So, so uh, this is why, I think principally, why it says that Mary was trying to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And that's when the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So the admonition from the angel would have been both warranted and welcomed for sure. And then the angel says to Mary this, he says in verse 31, and behold, this is the message. And it's very good, Mary. Don't be afraid. The news is good. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So take note, the, no, the news isn't just you're going to have a baby. That would be good news. That is good news uh, in any day. That's good news uh, to get. Uh, but especially in Mary's day, remember Zechariah and Elizabeth, uh, remember Hannah and others, uh, the news that you're going to have a child, especially in biblical times, was very, very good news. Um, but it wasn't just that. It wasn't just that her child would be great either, because Zachariah had told, um, or uh, Gabriel had told Zachariah that his son, John, would be great. But this is on a different scale here. Uh, we all want our kids to be great, right? We want great things for our kids. Maybe, maybe that's a better way to say it. No, let's just be honest. We want them to be great. <laughs> I have never, ever met anybody who had children that did not want their children to be great. And you can talk about what the great looks like, you know, what, you know, worldly success versus true success in life. But, but whatever, you know, and so, so, but that wasn't the news either, that you're going to have a son and he's going to be great. It was much more than that. And um, it says, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. In other words, Mary, you're going to have the Messiah, the savior of the world. And this is, of course, all in fulfillment of the promises that Mary was very familiar with. But there's a problem. There is a problem. And it's not a small problem. It's not a hitch. It's a God, a God you could say it's a God-sized problem. And Mary said to the angel, verse 34, how will this be since I am a virgin? Now, in our misshaped culture, that might not be such a big difficulty. We just say, well, you just need to have sex. But in Mary's culture, where people's whole lives were marinated in a marriage covenant culture, even the thought of sex outside of a committed marriage was unthinkable for this young woman, entirely out of the question. 
So Mary's question to the angel in response wasn't what we would think maybe it should have been, something like, what do you want me to do about this? Her question was, how will this be? In other words, what you're suggesting here is not possible. It's just not possible. How can this be? And the angel answered her, verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. That's the sixth month there. For nothing will be impossible with God. Do you see that? In verse 38, we have Mary's initial response. She says, Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This son will have a divine greatness, a greatness wholly different from any other human being ever because he will be conceived by the Holy Spirit and thus he will be both son of God and son of man. He will ascend the throne of his father David and he will be the Holy One, that is, without sin. Now, you may, you may recall a few weeks back when we were talking about camels going through the eye of a needle or when Jesus, we were talking about uh, Jesus' comment about camels going through the eye of a needle. And in his words to his disciples, he said, with man it is impossible, but with God, not so. For with God, all things are possible, as Mark chapter 10. You know, as I've, as I reflected on this and read through it this week and, you know, thought about it, and I was thinking about Gabriel. You know, we're, we're calling this, this series, this Advent series we're doing, um, what are we calling it? Angels We Have Heard. That's what we're calling it. Uh, that's another thing, Chris, that's right. Um, but I, I like to think of Gabriel here and think how delighted he must have been. Uh, not just the task of bringing such a wonderful and important announcement. I mean, that in itself is like, like wow, if you were, if you were an angel, uh, you know, be, being the bearer of news like this would be an assignment that would be sure to put a smile on, you, on your face, would it not? on anybody's face, whether you're an angel or not, uh, it would be quite something. It would be like the plum assignment, right? If you picture the angels coming in to pick up their, their schedule for the day, you know, all right, Lord, what do you want me to do today? You know, like, Gabriel, you just hit the jackpot, buddy. You get to announce the birth of the Messiah. You get to go to the mother of the Lord Jesus and tell her. Uh, I mean, that would, uh, that would, be an amazing thing, but, but, but I, I was thinking, can you imagine the sheer glee he must have had when he got to say, uh, behold, the second time? 
Because the first time he said it in verse 31, he, he said, behold, you will conceive. But, but when he says it the second time, he says, behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has all, also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Now just think about that for a moment because you, you know when Gabriel delivered the news to Zechariah last week, uh, well, six months ago, uh, Zechariah was incredulous because why? Because he just couldn't see how that could happen. I'm sure he he just, he said, well, that's impossible. We've tried our whole lives to have a child, and now we're too old. And he, Gabriel calls Elizabeth old. Um, Zachariah, you know, could talk about her being advanced in years, but Gabriel said, no, she's she's just old. Those are his words. And everybody knew she was barren. But now, she's six months pregnant. And you know what that means? Here, it's, it's, it's a miracle. And here's Gabriel. And he brought that message to Zechariah. And now he's here delivering this message to Mary. And he says to Mary, behold, you know, you're going to conceive. And then he gets to say, behold, your relative Elizabeth is showing. Think about that. The impossible is now visible. I'm thinking that now Zechariah is even a believer. Do you think? Now I want to just pause for just a moment here and acknowledge that this might make some people a little uncomfortable, all this talk about things that are quite simply not physically possible, old people suddenly having babies long after their childbearing years and, and a young a, a woman having a child uh, without being impregnated by a man. Uh, this is all impossible stuff. Um, I mean, we're talking about angels for heaven's sakes. Not exactly the most scientific topic. But I want to point out this is exactly where the biblical worldview and the secular material worldview diverge. Because the anti-God mindset that is so prevalent in our world is entirely bound by the physical limitations of the material world. But God is not limited. God is infinite. That, and that's what that means. When we say God is infinite, infinite, what that means is he has no limits. He is not constricted in any way by any of the things that constrict you and and I. And we really need to to be aware that 
of this because you cannot celebrate Christmas really without believing in the virgin birth and the deity of Jesus. And don't let anyone convince you that Christmas is simply about family because your family is lost without Jesus. We are talking absolute miracle in every sense of the term. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a tremendous theologian who uh, died as a, a martyr's death in the prison system of the Nazi uh, regime. Uh, but Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this. He said, what a mistake to think that it is the task of theology to unravel God's mystery, to bring it down to the flat, ordinary human wisdom of experience and reason. It is the task of theology solely to preserve God's wonder as wonder, to understand, to defend, to glorify God's mystery as mystery. And it is a mystery. But you know what? What God has for every one of us is not dissimilar to what he had for Mary. And what I mean by that is that in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to be talking about the angels that appeared to the shepherds. And they brought this message, and the message was, unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Unto you. So Mary had Jesus. God gave Mary a child. But in doing so, God gave all of us Jesus. And so when God speaks to you and I, the truth of the matter is that he comes to every one of us and says, I've got a miracle for you. And his name is Jesus. He can forgive your sins. He can make you a whole new person. You can be reborn. You can be born again. You can have a whole new life. You can have eternal life. You can be part of God's forever family. And it is a miracle because without him, it's not possible. It's impossible. It's all about the impossible. That's what it's all about. Because that's what God does. God is a God of the impossible. In those days, verse 39 says, in those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to the town of Judah and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. The angel had told uh, her about Elizabeth, right? And so, uh, and I think the King James says cousin there, but it's really the word for relative and considering the difference in age, it probably was more like an aunt. Uh, but, you know, of course Mary's going to make a beeliner uh, for the only person who could ever begin to relate to her situation and what was happening to her, right? She's not going to talk to Joseph. Joseph doesn't even know that this has even happened yet. But, but it's more than that. It's more than that that put her feet on that path to, um, to Elizabeth and Zachariah's house in Judah, uh, in, in the hill country of Judah. It's a long, it was a long trip. Uh, you know, uh, but she wanted what? What, what, was, what was it that was, that was uh, motivating her? What was it that was causing her footsteps to be fast on the trail? It was that she wanted to see a miracle. 
Just envision that. She's, she is going, all right? Um, it says, in those days, Mary arose and what? Went with haste. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's the urgency? What's the hurry? Why are you in such a hurry, Mary? She's like, I, I got to see this. I've got to see Elizabeth. I've got to talk to Elizabeth. And, and uh, it says, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. Can you envision it happening? That long trip? Three full days under the best of conditions. I'm thinking Mary did it in two and a half. And she barely gets inside of the gate in the courtyard and she cries out to Elizabeth, Elizabeth, Elizabeth. And the scripture says that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, verse 41. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she exclaimed with a loud cry. She cried back out to Mary and she said, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? The mother of my Lord. Verse 44 says, For behold, when the sound of the greeting came to my ears, the baby in the womb, in my womb, leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Blessed are those who believe. Blessed are those who hear. Blessed are those who believe the good news. Verses 46 through 56 finishes out the chapter with Mary's response now. She's believed the good news, as impossible as it was, and now the implications are obviously settling uh, into her heart and her mind, and she's overcome with the re those realities, and she worships. Her words of worship here are called the Magnificat, which is a name that was, um, uh, uh, it's a word that was in the Latin version of the very first word, uh, magnifies my soul, the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. Remember what Gabriel said, his name will be holy. And his mercy is for those who fear him, verse 50. His mercy is for those who fear him and from generation to generation he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. 
he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. It's written in Greek. The New Testament is written in Greek, but it's said that this is here is, is wonderful Hebrew and comprised almost entirely of quotations from the Old Testament. Mary would have been steeped in the poetical literature of her nation. She was intimately familiar with the promises of God made to her ancestors, even unto Father Abraham, and the promises made and the hope that they infused. But this news was not just for Mary. And in her words of praise and worship here, we see that this is all world-changing. It changes everything. The news that the angel brought, Gabriel brought to Mary, is is news that changes everything. It's the great reversal. The proud, the oppressive, the self-exalting are brought down. The oppressed, the humiliated are lifted and exalted. It's a mixture of judgment and deliverance because it's good news for those who fear God, but it's not good news for those who thumb their noses at God and go on with their sinful ways. And it's all expressed in past tense simply because of the absolute certainty of all of it. In God's timing, in God's program, but these are world-changing events. I never used to watch the news before I became a, a Christian. I came to Christ when I was 21 years old. I never watched the news before that. I don't know exactly why. I think it terrified me. But I think the news of the gospel means that we can never watch the news the same ever again. Because the good news about Christ changes everything that happens in our world. And allows us to see our world very different. Very different. Totally different. And it amazes me how two people can look at the same thing and see something very, very different. And I don't know what you see when you look at the world and you hear the news being reported. But but I think that the gospel message, among other things, changes everything with how we see our world. We lit the love candle today and John's gospel says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Everything Everything changes 
when you, when you uh, respond in faith, blessed are those who believe. When you respond in faith to God's gift of his son, it changes everything in your life and in the world around us. I'm going to ask you to stand uh, as we close the service this, this morning, and Josh is going to come.